This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Annette France. Annette has 30 years of experience, both on the client side and on the vendor side, helping companies understand their employees and customers, identifying what drives retention, satisfaction, engagement, and the overall experience, and designing customer experiences to deliver a better experience for all people. Annette was one of the most 100 most influential tech women on Twitter. By Business Insider, she's also an official member of the Forbes Coaches Council, which is awesome. Here is the newest book. It's called Built to Win, and which we'll be talking about today. It's designing a customer-centric culture that drives value for your business. Annette, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I look forward you, to this conversation. Yeah, you, you and me both. So I've asked this question to you before, but I'm going to ask it again. And you can't, I don't remember what the first answer was, but what's one thing people might not know about you? Oh gosh. And I don't remember, I know we've, we've done this before, haven't we? And I can't remember what I answered back then either. I'm just going to, this is, this is a, this is a wild one that I don't think anybody knows about me is that I used to be a competitive bodybuilder. Whoa. So how did you get into bodybuilding? What's the synopsis, the quick version? Of, <laughs> and and what, was the, what was the competition you were most proud of? Well, first of all, I was not a professional, absolutely amateur. I got into it because I've, all, I've always been active. I've always been physically active and I, I love working out. And one day somebody at the gym said, hey, why, you should compete. And I'm like, Hey, why not? <laughs> why not? So, you know, it, uh, it doesn't just happen just like that, though. There's obviously a lot that goes into, uh, into doing that. But because I was already in great shape, the process, it was probably only about two years from the time that person said, hey, why don't you compete till I did my first competition? The probably the proudest or the coolest one was obviously the one that I won. <laughs> and I do, I do still, and this was back in the mid nineties. So this was, I do still have the big trophy in, uh, in my garage. So, so Dang, yeah. That is so awesome. I fully expect an article with a picture of a trophy and how that aligns with the bodybuilding experience or how the journey somehow it's aligned where I want to see a picture of this bodybuilding amazing trophy. All right. <laughs> I actually did at, the, at that time. I, I was working for Mattel at the time and one of my good friends worked in the packaging department. She actually made an Annette doll. So it's in a Barbie box, but it's an <laughs> Annette doll with um, pictures of me. It's a bodybuilding Annette. I've got Ken's body and Barbie's head. So yeah, so that, uh, boy, we just got off into this whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the brand new uh, bodybuilding podcast by Annette. So <laughs> no, it, it's amazing. That's, that's the reason why I asked the question. I always love the answers of people like yourself. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about the book. I've dug through it and kind of showed you what I was looking at and what I was looking through. And, you know, I want to kind of walk through some of the questions that I have, and I think we'll leave some time for 
the guests, uh, other people who are who are listening to this as well. So the first question I have for you is what's the difference between customer focused and customer centric? Mm. I felt like I had to differentiate the two when I first um, started writing the book because I feel like um, customer focus is just really soft compared to being customer centric, right? Customer focus, I, I feel like we all say we're customer focused, right? And and it, what it typically in my mind means is that we're focused on the person in front of us. We're focused on the person that we're interacting with, the customer that we're interacting with at the moment. And that's why I say it's, it's very tactical, right? It's, it's how, how do I make sure that this person in front of me has a great experience? Whereas customer centric is so much deeper than that to be customer centric. It, it really flows through the DNA of the organization. It's enterprise wide. It's not, you know, one person focusing on the customer. It's not one hero employee, you know, nothing like that. It has to flow through the DNA of the organization and it's much more strategic. It's much more, um, you know, proactive. It's, it's, it's everything that we want the organization to be. We want, and, and, and if we aren't customer centric, if we're just customer focused, then the customer doesn't necessarily have um, that seamless experience, you know, across the organization. They, they have an experience over here that is different from what's happening over here, you know, kind of thing. So customer centric, I, I think the best way to describe it is it's, it's in the DNA of the organization. It's organization wide and it really has to be. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's more of that holistic approach instead of the, yeah. the shooting shooting the dart at the at the dartboard and saying I'm I'm customer centric or customer focused today or right. in exactly. this interaction. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a way of doing business, right? It's how we do business in in a customer centric way. We bring the customer into everything that we do versus versus not right or versus just focusing on the person in front of us. Yeah. So, what type of mindset or, or behavioral shift does it take to be customer centric as an organization? Well, it's, it's a, it, it takes a huge mind shift most of the time because a lot of companies, a lot of leaders in companies are, are focused on putting, you know, and you'll recognize this from the book, rec, um, are focused on putting products, um, profits and, and metrics before people, right? And so, and everybody lives under that old management adage that, you know, we're in business to maximize shareholder value. Shareholder value is an outcome. We have to really think about the means to that outcome. And the, the means are is that our employees and our customers need to have a great experience, right? So there has to be that mind, mindset shift um, from, you know, from that adage to, hey, the customer is the reason that we are in business. It's they're the reason that we do what we're doing and they're the reason that we exist. Right. So, so um, I, I think that's the biggest thing that needs to happen is that there is that mindset shift from, from profits, products and metrics before people to people first. Right. And, and really solving problems for your customers. And I, and I don't think that a lot of times, that's what businesses are doing. You know, they're, they're finding, finding as Seth Godin says, finding customers for their products rather than products for their customers. Yeah. It's, and that's the unfortunate part is they're very reactive and they're trying to keep everybody happy, including the shareholders. And from their perspective, they're not playing, or it it seems like they're not playing the long game and understanding that total value of the customer. They're just saying, we need to close this many deals or we need to make X amount of revenue first. 
Exactly. Instead of saying, what does the customer actually need and how do we reverse engineer that back to making more money? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. So in, inside the book, you mentioned that there's a perception gap yep. between the what they think, <laughs> what, what companies think that they, they oh, we, we are customer centric and we believe that we're putting them at the center of everything that they do. But according to stats or, or data, that's not necessarily what the customer thinks. They, they, they don't think that they're customer centric at all. So where's, where's that gap between what the company thinks they're customer centric and what the cu- customer actually thinks? Well, it's, there's, there's really a couple of reasons behind that. And the first one, or I don't know, this is this the first one, could be the second one. But one of them is that there's this, you know, uh, imbalanced focus on acquisition over retention. And then, you know, because growth is sexy and, and CEOs love to hear about growth, right? And so um, when we when we say, hey, we're, we've got all these customers coming in, we've got a ton of new customers, we must have a great experience, we must have great products, right? But they also at the same time don't look at you know, all of the, that leaky bucket, right? All the customers running out the back door at the same, at the same time, right? So it's, it's definitely a problem. It's, it needs to, there needs to be more of a balance between um, acquisition and retention, the focus on acquisition and retention, right? Because if we, we know this, we're, you know, obviously customer experience professionals, we know that if we take the time to focus on um, the experience, retention will be, less of a less of a problem and 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 it certainly is far less costly than than acquisition and the money that gets thrown into you know freebies and promotions and all of that stuff to just acquire customers so so retention takes work but um but but it's it's going to pay off in the end obviously the second reason it behind that gap is this focus on data and metrics that I was talked about a minute ago right we do when we when we focus on moving the needle, whether it's on NPS or it's on revenue or whatever it is, if when we focus on moving that needle, we do things differently and we do different things. And if we take the time to focus on delivering a great experience, designing and delivering a great experience, um, and and having the needle move as a result of that. So you know, and I always use the example on this one. Um, you know, I started my career at JD Power and Associates 30 years ago, and and there's you know we're we're still experiencing some of these bad behaviors at car dealerships today, but, um, you know, back in the day it was, Hey, I'll, I'll, you know, give you a free oil change, a free Sam's club membership, a free this or a free that. Right. And all you have to do is rate me a 10 out of 10 on the survey that you get when you, you know, in the next couple of days after you get home. And, and it's, it's a bad experience for employees because it's just, it's an icky thing to have to beg for your promotion or beg for your commission or whatever, you know, Um, and it's not a great experience for customers either, because you know what, focus on delivering a great experience and then you won't have to beg for a 10 out of 10 on the, on the score. Right. So, um, so those are the two reasons behind that gap, right? Focusing on acquisition over retention and focusing on data and metrics over the experience. And they're making that ask for, Hey, please give me 10 out of 10, or it's very important that I get a 10 because it may not be important to you, right? but it's, it's based off of my, what I get from my bonus at the end of the year. Yep. How does that make you feel as a customer when somebody says that to you? 
Oh yeah. It makes me feel icky. Well, uh, you know, obviously because we we've got the inside scoop on what's happening here, but I, I would imagine it makes every customer feel icky too. Like what, what is, what is this? Why are you doing this? Yeah. It's, it's not a great experience. No. Yeah. You have to constantly, for those who are not thinking about the customer first or going through the journey of what that feels like, that is a, that is an icky, that is a gross feeling of, immediately you're like, okay, well, just, just push this button real quick here. Let me, let me grab your finger and push the, push the 10 real quick. It's not, it's not enjoyable and it's not something that I want to do because it now makes me feel like I should give you an eight because of you're, you're forcing me to give you a rating. You know, that's like you said, the free oil change, or I will throw in this. If Uh, it's not, it shouldn't be an if then statement, it should be here's the value that I'm going to bring you. Here's the, uh, how I'm going to, to provide it at the right channel of your choice. And I'm going to do it in the least amount of effort. Uh, by the way, how do you think we did? Yeah. And it's just a different, it, it feels a lot uh, more genuine and yeah. that they earnestly want to know about what we did. I, I talked to somebody the other day and they were saying, you know, what do you like about us? Not, not necessarily like, Hey, did we do a good job? But what did you like about us? And why did, why did you like that? Because it's the why that I think helps organizations improve. If you just give them a score of one out of 10 and you don't understand the why, then it's not actionable. Exactly. Exactly. So when it comes to, it's not just in that, going back to that, that rating one out of 10, it's, it's something that they've been taught. And so somebody up top has provided that Hey, you need to do this because I'm now measured on it. So my question is, is how can you get companies from, from the top to the bottom to rally around what the customer needs? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is a, I love this question. I love um, the, the things that you, you can do. There are so many. And, you know, I included a, in the book, I included a list, but even since I've written the book, I've heard of other things that, um, that companies are doing too. So one of the things that, that I talk about here is, um, that empty chair notion from uh, Jeff Bezos and Mm -hmm. actually Howard Schultz has two empty chairs. If, If you guys know the, know the story behind the empty chair, that's Jeff Bezos way in his executive meetings to always have the customer represented by that empty chair. And uh, Howard Schultz had two chairs, one for employees and one for customers. So I thought that was, that's really cool. So that's one way. And it's funny because I have, I've, you know, as I've gone through this list and shared some of these ideas, and I'll talk about them in a second um, with clients of mine, they've taken that empty chair and run with it. And they've, they'll paint the chair, they'll put a picture of a customer in the chair, they'll put a teddy bear in the chair, you know, something just to just to call out to really draw attention to the fact that the customer is in the room. Because one of the things we didn't talk about, and I should go back and, and just say this real quick, is that I define a customer-centric organization as one where there are no discussions, no decisions, no designs without bringing the customer and the customer's voice into them, right? Without asking, how is this going to impact or how is it going to make her feel? What value is it going to bring for the customer? And so, so to do to do that, to, to have that chair, that empty chair and have it represent the customer or the customer and the employee um, is such a power, powerful way to 
as it's a reminder of, you know, again, no discussions, no decisions, no design. So, so empty chair. The other thing that, that a couple other things um, in meetings, we often tend to start with um, metrics, right? We always talk about here's where revenue is, here's where scores are, here's where this or that, but let's start, let's start our meetings talking about customers and sharing customer stories, right? So, so if we're going to make that shift, and you talked earlier about mindset shift and behavior shift, or we're going to make that shift, we have to start talking differently. And we do, we have to start doing things differently. We have to, um, you know, the conversation has to change and the things that we talk about first and primarily are um, have to change, right? And so in your meetings, start talking and sharing customer stories. Don't start with them. Everybody knows the numbers. I mean, that stuff floats around the office every day and all day long, right? But but they don't know the customer. So, so um, personas, you know, hanging personas on the walls or creating am- animations of the personas to really, you know, uh, bring them out and socialize them. Tell stories about each persona. Interview actual customers who represent each persona, right? And bring those um, interviews into the organization, whether you know it's on monitors or it's you know you just shared on your intranet or whatever. I mean, we're doing obviously hybrid or virtual or in person, whatever we're doing. We 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 have to figure out the best way to you know socialize those. Um, uh, what else? Uh, we could, uh, you know, bring it, bring an actual customer into a meeting. You know, that's sometimes people kind of go, what, <laughs> when I say that, but it's bring customers in the meeting that, that will certainly shift the, shift the conversation. Um, uh, you know, interviews, uh, journey maps, like share, like all of this stuff, share the feedback, share, share what we're hearing from customers and keep it front and center. I think those are just some of the ways to, you know, start to rally the organization around the customer and get them thinking and, and, and doing differently. I love the thought of bringing a, a customer back into the conversation because if, yeah, you could have, you could have two, you could have three, you could have four empty seats, but, uh, what is the customer actually saying outside yeah. of the survey and then asking the clarifying questions or if you're bringing out a new product or service bringing in the customer first and saying would you use this or how valuable is this to you and what what would this do for for you if you had it right if yeah. you're not asking those questions and you're just bringing it up and there's plenty of failed implementations where uh, they didn't ask the question does the customer actually want this or need this? Or did you actually talk to them? And it, it ends up failing because it wasn't what, what they needed. It was just this nice shiny widget that they decided to, to build or buy. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of, speaking of widgets, there's a, there's a story that I include in the book. It's, I think it's in this chapter that we're talking about or close to, you know, the chapter that we're talking about here, it's about um, Lego, right. And what Lego did, um, when they when they discovered that their designers were good at design, but they weren't good at Lego. <laughs> and so they were designing sets that nobody liked, right? They 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 thought they were cool, but nobody no customer customers weren't buying them, right? And so they obviously they've got some of their customers who are also uh great designers. And so they ended up hiring um hiring people who are building with Legos who with Lego who are also great designers right so brought, brought the two together and that's obviously that's one way to bring the bring the customer front and center right is hey hire them right hire hire the folks who 
get it, who know how to solve for every other customer. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool story. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. I do love that. Uh, One other short story about Lego is inside their customer service department, they have, they were trying to think of like, who are we as an organization and who do we want to, to be known for? And how do we measure against our success inside customer service? And they were like, Mm -hmm. well, we want to be fun. We want to be, it's, it's uh, fun, knowledgeable and, and have expertise or fun, reliable, knowledgeable and expertise. And they were trying to think of an acronym. <laughs> they ended up adding their acronym ended up being freaky. <laughs> so <laughs> they always ask every single interaction when they're going through their training and they have based off of blocks, it's five different blocks that they set in where you fun, reliable, knowledgeable. And did you, did you have um, expertise or, or they would say, did you freak that call? And they have fun with it. And they say, when well, we were all sorts of freaky on that call. <laughs> so, um, you know, knowing who you are and leaning into your, uh, who you are as an organization, your mission, vision, and values, and who you want to portray uh, to your customers. So I love that. W- one of the things kind of going back to what you mentioned was asking that, that question to that customer. And then I know that you work with a lot of organizations and a lot of startups, you know, when you go into an organization and you sit down with these leaders who brought you in, what's the first question that you're asking them? Yep. The first question that I ask them is why, (laughs) why, why are you, what's the, what's the catalyst for engaging me? What's the catalyst for what's happened within the organization that, that you suddenly have want to, you know, put the customer at the center and do things differently. Right. And a lot of times the answer is, well, our, we're, you know, we're all the same in our industry. We're all the same, you know, and we want that competitive advantage. And we know if we have a better experience, we will have that competitive advantage. So, so yeah, that's the first thing I ask is what, why, why do you, why, what's, what's the catalyst for, for change? What's the catalyst for engaging with me, you know, to help you do that. So, and, and I think it's an important question to ask. Yeah. If you don't understand your why and you don't understand your customers why why are they doing business with you then then you need yeah. to kind of recalibrate and start back at square one yeah the other the other thing that i that i ask and i'm often i've been a, a an advisor for startups and this is one of the things that i will ask them up front is um, what problem are you solving for your customers and a lot of times they can't answer that question because they don't know they've not talked to their customers they've you know going back to the Seth Godin thing that i said you know they're finding customers for their products rather than products for their customers and and it's a it's a real sort of aha moment where you can just there's this silence in the room um and and they're 
looking at each other like, hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> Who brought this lady in anyways? What's up with her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, I, I wasn't expecting any tough questions. She was supposed to make it yeah. saying how awesome we are and, and what we're doing right. <laughs> so I, I love that you're challenging them and continuing to, to lean on them because everybody should be asking that. Yeah. So what problem are you solving for your customers? And if that's sitting, putting an extra seat in the room or asking that clarifying question, does the customer actually want this or what problems are you solving for your customers? Those are all awesome ways to continue to put the customer first, you know, you know what, back to, back to culture. I think there's a couple of questions I have there around. Everybody wants to executive leaders are kind of always talking about that. The solving the problem, which leads to, to revenue, but how do you link that culture to, to outcomes? Yeah, that's it. And that's a, a big question. And it's the reason that I, you know, 10 of the chapters in the book are obviously about the 10 foundational principles of a customer centric organization. One of, uh, but I couldn't have a book like this without answering the why <laughs> you just talked about the why mm-hmm. you, you and so there is a chapter about measuring culture because everybody thinks it's just this fluffy thing right so um but if you have this foundation this great foundation in your organization and it, and it, and it goes back to so i have in the book i have a graphic that shows you know the connection between having that foundation with you know the culture the leadership that's you know, aligned and, you know, you've got your mission, vision, values, purpose, you've got the great employee experience because, because the employee experience, culture and employee experience are obviously not the same thing, but, but culture is certainly a a huge factor in whether the employees will have a great experience or not. And then going to employee outcomes, which drives customer outcomes, which drives business outcomes. So I had that graphic in the book, but, you know, there's, there's also um, the service profit chain. If you take a look at that, the service profit chain talks about that connection between the employee experience and the customer experience and then business outcomes as well. And so I think there's, you know, there is a lot of research out there and a lot of, uh, there are a lot of statistics out there that show that this linkage is real, you know, that there is, that there, that companies that do have um a customer-centric organization who are, you know, um, focused on putting the customer at the center of everything that they do, that their their outcomes are far greater than um, those who don't. And I cite some of those statistics in the book as well, because I want I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that this is real. It's not it's just something that's fluffy. It's not just something that we talk about because, hey, it sounds great. This is real. I think there's even a I want to say that there's a statistic and I'll get it wrong right now just because I <laughs> because I'm I my brain is a little bit um cooked this morning but um there's there's a statistic about I think it's a Deloitte one about the percentage of greater outcomes that a business sees if it's if it's product driven versus customer driven right and it's just such a great statistic that it's like, wow, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you want to be customer driven and customer centric? Right. I mean, it's such a, such a, there's so many strong statistics out there to show that it's real. Yeah. I would recommend you to to the listeners and to the people that are on this call right now, uh, buy the book. And uh, there's a whole lot of diagrams and and pictures, uh, which is helpful for me, (laughs) but, but also um, a lot of awesome content. Um, you know, 
I have, um, at the very end of every episode, I ask two questions and I'm going to skip the, I'm going to, I'm going to change up the second one that I would normally ask. And, uh, but the first question I have is, you know, what, what book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? Hmm. My guess it's probably built to win. Uh, I've heard really good things about that one. <laughs> it is, it is definitely built to win, right? <laughs> uh, wow. You know, I, I, I sadly have to say that I have bought a lot of books lately, but I haven't had much time to read because I was spending a lot of time writing as well. But I know, you know, and this is this is not in the last year, though, uh, uh, obviously, because of my time was a little focused on something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is a there is a book that um, is just amazing. And it is a book by um, Hal Rosenbluth called The Customer Comes Second. And uh, I think it's such an it's such an interesting book because it was written like in 1990 or 92, something like that. and it's such a crazy thing to say back then, first of all, second of all, the reason he says it is, and it's, it actually became one of the titles for one of the chapters in my book is that the employee comes more first. So if we put the customer first, then the employee has to come more first. Right. So, so there, there's that. And, and it was interesting reading this book because it was like, I I sort of had this like moment where I went, gosh, this book could have been written today, you know, even though, and and the reason that I said that was because it talks about technology and back then it was IBM mainframes and fax machines, right? But everything that he said about technology then (laughs) is the same stuff we say about it today, right? It's just (laughs) one of those, one of those things. So it's a, it's a great book and he, he fills it with ton of stories and examples and what they did at Rosen, at Rosenbluth, um, international as a travel, um, travel, uh, I don't want to call it an agency, but a travel company um, to, uh, you know, really put the employees more first and all the things that they did for their employees, which is very cool. Yeah. When I first read that, that the, the title, uh, the, the more first, I was like, did she spell something wrong? Like what, <laughs> what, what happened here? And then I actually read through the, the chapter. I was like, ah, it's creative more first. The publisher it. said the same thing. They're like, is that a typo? And I'm like, nope, not a typo. Nope. Nice. It makes me feel better that I'm not the only one. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's a provocative enough where you're like, oh, she got me. Okay. Um, so typically, I ask every single guest, and and I've already asked this question to you once because you've been on the podcast before. But is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? But you know, at the end of your book, you have a conclusion, which is a letter to CEOs. Yeah. And so I'm going to flip it a little bit and say, if you could leave a note to all CEOs and it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? It would say, read the book, read the last chapter of the book. Because <laughs> <laughs> I spell it all out in like 10 pages, right? But but um, uh, short of that, it would it would say um, we are going to um, we're going to put people before products, profits, and metrics. We're going to focus on focus on people, and here's how we're going to do it. You know, and we're going to we're going to start doing this uh, today, and it's going to start with the culture, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's what it would be. And I love it. 
they read the read the last chapter of the book because it's all it's all right there you know and it's funny because i did um, at the end of the my first book too i did this letter to ceo and letter to ceos and and i thought you know this has got to be my signature thing i've got to do another one for for this book as well and so i did and and uh yeah i just think it's it's justification as to why we need to do this and and we do we need to do this I love it. So for those uh, listeners who are, are listening um, on audio on the, the platform of your choice, I also have about 15 people who joined us on, on this as well. And they have uh, done an awesome job of starting to put the questions in. So let's go ahead and pick a few of these. Uh, the first one is by Kim and it said, I just bought the Kindle version of the book and I'm anxious to read it. Uh, what chapters do you feel is the most useful for CX practitioners? And you can't say all of them. Well, darn, that was going to be my answer. <laughs> <laughs> the most useful for CX practitioners? Huh, well, I do think it's going to be the first chapter, which it, which spells out what customer centricity is, what it is, what it means, why we why we should be customer centric organizations, right? So I think that's really a good one because I think what you can do with that is then pull out content from that to build your business case, right. To sell, to sell this internally as well. Yeah. I, I would agree. Start at the beginning and then read the entire book and then start taking the nuggets that you think are most valuable to your organization and sharing them with your team members. So um, great question, Kim. Thanks for that. Um, another Annette uh, says, at our company, we constantly remind employees that we build shareholder value by building customer value. All right. Amen that. Amen. Yeah, sounds good. Sign me up on that one. Um, you know, uh, Tish says, uh, customers become anecdotal or leaders focus on the loudest customer if you don't bring them in or develop a persona, trend, or journey. So yep. lots of awesome, great information. Yeah, and we don't want them to become just anecdotes. We want the we want their voices. We want their data. We want you know their feedback, their insights. We want that in everything that we do. So we want to be able to bring that into everything we do. So yeah, great, great point. I love it. Um, any other questions from that want to jump off mute or raise their hand? Uh, do so now. It seems like Annette that you just knocked it out of the park and answered everybody's <laughs> questions. So thank you so much, Annette. Uh, where's the best way for people to get a hold of you? If they want to connect with you, if they want you to come speak, if they want to buy your book, where do they, where do they find that? Well, so uh, I will just share with, with everybody that I have a brand new website as well. Um, I, so cx-journey.com is still my you know corporate site, but um, I, with the book, launched an annettefranz.com website, and it's been awesome. Lots of people have uh, reached out to me through that, just as you said, to speak, to ask questions, whatever. So, so yeah, absolutely. Um, and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to meet new people and, and uh, connect that way as well. Yes, please connect with her, buy this book and uh, follow all of the content. She is consistently putting out valuable content. And uh, Annette, I appreciate you as always and uh, looking forward to the success of this book. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. 
And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.